Hello, you are listening to the weekend edition of Marginalia. Uh, Marginalia is a podcast of New City, Cincinnati, uh, where the pastors and the staff here at our church discuss the scribbles in the margin, so to speak, of our uh, Sunday teachings, as well as uh, some of the things in the life of our church. And today, uh, on this weekend edition, I have uh, with me Pastor uh, our pastor of Neighborhood Ministries, Ryan Zhang. Ryan, how are you doing? We're in quarantine week 12 almost now, right? Mm-hmm. You holding yeah. up? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Ryan is, uh, Ryan, so when this uh, podcast drops on a Saturday, later in the day, Saturday, we'll be having our, Ryan will be preaching for, to, to a decent sized room of people for the first time in a long time. We're doing our dry run on May 30th uh, with some of our deacons and our staff and their families. And uh, so Ryan, how, how, does it, how does it feel to think about preaching not to a little red light and a camera again, but a room that has at least some people in it? Uh, it's great. But I think it's the first time I would preach to so many kids and I don't know how that would go. It's true with, with uh, no New City Kids classes, uh, there'll be more kiddos in the room. So. Well, that'll be, that'll be good. I'm, see, it's purposeful that I'm giving you this first trial run and I'll learn from your successes and all your, also your failures. Yeah. Also with me today, uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we have John Mark Outerslice, who's the director of the City League Center here in Cincinnati. And uh, John Mark, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. I'm so glad that you could spend some time with us uh, on the podcast. We know you're busy. So thanks for being here. Uh, thank you, Josh and Ryan, for having us. So one of our uh, core values as a church is uh, what we call kingdom mindset, uh, meaning that we are under no uh, you know, false uh, presumptions that our single church or our tradition in which we come from is sufficient to do the work uh, that God has called us all to as Christians in our city to celebrate Christ, to serve our city well. And because of that, we partner with other churches. We partner with organizations um, in our city and around the world um, that are doing great work. And uh, it's a really wonderful opportunity that we get to lock arms with other folks um, with a common vision uh, in our city. And uh, CityLink uh, is one of those um, partner organizations. And so, John Mark, maybe could you just tell us, uh, sort of at a broad overview level, like what is CityLink? Why does it exist? What do y'all do? Great. Um, well, first, thanks for your support. CityLink Center um, was born with a common spirit of recognizing that um, there is a gap um, in caring for. Uh, our neighbors who are struggling with poverty, and that uh, we wanted to create a vehicle for the church, um, being the big church, to engage in this work. Um, And so CityLink Center was founded um, out of the need uh, that one-third of our our neighbors are uh, struggling with poverty, with economic poverty, but we recognize poverty has multiple levels, multiple different realms in individuals' lives. And when you take a step back and look at what was happening in our community, uh, there was over 2,000 social services uh, and we were spending over a billion dollars a year, yet we weren't seeing the the real change that we all hoped for. So some folks uh, did some research um, and it was a group of churches and a group of social services that came together to say, 
what's missing, what can we do better? And what they learned from uh, the individuals um, who were in that struggle um, was that unintentionally, um, we have created an exceptionally complex system of support for individuals with very little margin to navigate. So um, those 2,000 social service agencies are strewn all across the city, have different qualification standards um, in terms of who can access services, and oftentimes we're focused in one particular aspect of an individual's life. And we believe that all of our lives are interrelated, um, not only between one another, but also uh, different aspects of our life. So if my childcare falls through, it has an immediate and direct impact on my ability to work. If I'm struggling in my marriage or in relationships, that has an impact on my finances. Um, and so what we really sought to do with CityLink Center is to take uh, a, the, create a new context to um, harness the power of the services in the community in a really client-centered way. So instead of asking clients to navigate from place to place and understand the complex qualification requirements, we sought to establish one place of hope um, and possibility where people could literally walk through one set of doors, share their story once, um, and then we could connect them um, with our service coordinators to the right service at the right time and address them as a whole person, um, meaning kind of taking a look at different realms of their life and leveraging the great partners in our collaborative to amplify different aspects of their lives. And so we really see this as an opportunity for the church to step into a space to add value and kind of reclaim a bit of our charge to care for the widows and orphans um, and, and those in our city who need a hand up. Yeah, I can speak just personally to the, uh, the value of having um, so many services under one, in one location. I, you know, about, I guess it's been 10, 11 years ago, uh, I was helping, when I was a youth pastor, I was helping a, a young Guatemalan girl who just turned 18, kind of aged out of the situation that she was in, trying to access services in the city. It was myself and one other woman from our church. And I spoke English, or I do speak English. Some, some would, you know, uh, have take umbrage with how well. Uh, but, but, but I speak the language. Um, I had access to transportation. Um, I had other resources of friends and, and, and that could help. And I still found it dizzying to trying to figure out what services to access, the order in which to access them. I can't imagine how difficult it would have been for this young woman on her own uh, in this situation, let alone just anyone else, you know, in a, in a situation like that of trying to figure out how in the world to, you know, to access these services and, and, and in what way. So when somebody comes to CityLink. And I think, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Josh, about that. Yeah, I think a question that we all have to reflect on is how often do we like asking for help? Right. And, and so I think we can we I struggle with asking for help. Um, and then how often do we like to ask for help from strangers? And then if you ask for help and, and make a, an effort, meaning um, save what money you have to hop on a bus to get down to an agency to try and get help to find out you're there the wrong day or you don't qualify. How many times are you going to make that trip before you just give up? And so what we heard from folks is they felt like um, 
people just didn't care or that change wasn't possible. So it's very much about the physical and, and mental barriers that you described, but eventually that can lead to a psychological barrier for folks of saying like, hey, like, yeah, there's 2,000 agencies in town, but I've tried and I've knocked on a bunch of doors and I humbled myself to walk in and talk to a stranger. And because I showed up on the wrong day or, or didn't meet the qualification that I didn't understand, they weren't able to help and they told me to go across town. Um, and so a previous governor of ours said really well that it was time to move from a system of referrals to a system of care. Um, for too long, we've just been referring people, well, hey, go down the street or go across town. And, and when you humble yourself to walk through the doors and ask a stranger for assistance, what you need is somebody to meet you there with care and with hope um, in order for you to actually believe that something can be different. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, so if somebody does um, come into CityLink, um, whether they're referred by a friend or by a church or they have heard about it in some other fashion, um, they, they set foot in the doors. What does that experience look like um, for, for a client as they're you know, coming in to engage with CityLink for the first time? Yeah, so um, we like to think about the organization as faith-based, client-centered, data-driven. Um, and so, um, and we think that all three of those can exist at the same time, that they're not mutually exclusive. Um, and so um, from a client-centered perspective, we had the advantage of taking a step back and saying, how do we actually design our experience for clients? Um, I think too often we've fallen into the trap of if we're helping people, um, they should follow the processes and jump through the hoops that we've set out, either for funders or for whatever other kind of institutional steps that we've taken in place. Instead of saying, what if we actually thought about people as customers and how would we design a customer experience to really meet their needs? So we worked with all of our partners to say, what are all the things that you need to know to see if they're a good fit or not, right? And so we do a pre-qualification. It's usually a phone call where we just try to understand, is somebody over 18, are they um, addiction-free? And that can mean in recovery, but not actively in addiction. Um, do they have a place to stay? And that can be on a friend's couch, but are they not facing imminent homelessness? And then do they have a goal um, in, in terms of moving their life forward around education, employment, or finances. And if, if we hit those qualifiers, um, we take them on the next step. If something is a, a bigger barrier, immediate barrier, we'll make a referral to great organizations in town like City Gospel Mission or others that can help with homelessness or uh, addiction recovery. Um, so the next step is some individuals come in for an info session, and that's really our chance to share in more detail about all the programs that are here, all the services that are here, and then ex kind of share our expectations for um, what they can expect from us and what we expect from them. And then if they are still interested in engaging in services, they enter their information into um, our client management software and we set up an appointment for them with their service coordinator, uh, which we call their goal session. And in that session, the, the service coordinator is looking at them holistically, hearing more details about their background, and then scheduling them for services. And that can look like somebody who's um, coming in and wants to go into a training program, but recognizes that um, you know, transportation or childcare may be a barrier. So how do they help them shore up those aspects? 
Um, we, we ask about, you know, how hopeful are people? Where are they at from um, anxiety and depression? Because we've seen those be major challenges for people who are, are struggling economically. Um, and we can refer them to our partners at Greater Cincinnati Behavioral Health within the center. So we really look at the individual holistically and try and set up steps to meet their goals, um, but in bite-sized pieces so that they can gain some momentum, um, gain some traction, and uh, start moving forward on their path. And what kinds of services, um, I, I know that some of the partners within the umbrella of the, the CityLink Center, you know, at times uh, shift and adapt, but what, what are just, you don't have to you know, necessarily give everyone, but what, what are some of the, uh, the services that do exist now at CityLink? Yeah, so we're really fortunate to have a combination of um, great local partners and some national best practices here within CityLink Center. So um, for individuals who've been recently released from prison, um, we have a great partner, CEO, um, which works with individuals to get them into transitional employment. Um, so they're actually working uh, out uh, on the highways. You may see their vans, um, CEO vans. They're doing transitional employment, which allows the individuals to uh, receive immediate income and to get real feedback. Um, and then once they demonstrate consistency um, on that job, they help them find a permanent placement. Uh, we have training programs. So we have a program uh, per Scholars, which does IT training, helps get people uh, ready for entry-level roles in the IT field. Um, we have a construction training program, which um, is a month-long training to help people get equipped and ready to join the, the construction industry. Uh, we have a culinary program, which is temporarily on hold, but that is a, a combination of hard skills, soft skills training, and an actual apprenticeship in a restaurant we opened in a joint venture with Finley Market. Um, and then we have additional... Have, uh, have my birthday dinner at the restaurant this year, which was a lot of fun. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful place, and uh, it's amazing to see that program um, has graduates working at Ruby's, at uh, the Thunderdome restaurants, Pep and Dolores. Uh, the top restaurants in town are hiring out of that program and seeing a lot of great success um, for the individuals and for that industry, um, which will need a lot of help rebuilding after, after this time. Um, another big area for us is financial education. Um, and so uh, we really believe that um, helping people increase income if we're not equipping people to manage their finances um, is a, a huge challenge. And the stats nationally you know, are that you know, three quarters of Americans can't afford a $500 emergency. Um, and so when we think about those at the uh, lower levels of economic um, kind of opportunity, it's, it's a daunting situation to be facing debt, um, credit recovery, when there's a lot of predatory lending and other practices out there. Um, and so we really work with clients to help them build their financial um, acumen, budgeting, savings, and start doing asset building as well. John, Mark, can I have asked questions? So you mentioned transitional employment for um, people coming out of um, prison. But, you know, we have homeless folks that come in, we've helped them set up, um, find a place and get them into a, an apartment or a place that they could stay for at least a short term. And, and But they still have needs that, you know, bills, groceries and stuff. And I, we've tried to refer them to CityLink. But I think one thing I wonder is that, you know, once they get there, I know you have great programs to get them set up, trained and employed, but what about those immediate needs of like bills, groceries, 
um, maybe even just transportation help to get back and forth to Sidling and you know how what's that transition like? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we um, really lean heavily on um, some of the frameworks that are outlined in One Helping Hurts, right? And recognizing that there's relief, rehabilitation, and development, um, and try and understand kind of what's the core competencies of each organization, what's our strengths, and then how do you partner to fill in those gaps? So for us, um, we're really focused on development, and we recognize that um, you can't teach a man to fish if they can't eat that day, right? And so we're really fortunate to have partnerships with Freestore Food Bank um, and St. Vincent de Paul. Freestore Food Bank comes on site here and actually does benefits enlistment. So they help enlist people in some of the public benefits that are available for people in transition. Um, and as well as they have the immediate food assistance St. Vincent de Paul is right down the street. They're a great partner who helps not only with food assistance, but also rent and utility assistance. Um, and so they're an organization that, um, because they understand that the clients that we're working with are working towards um, getting to a point where that assistance won't be necessary, um, they help us with some uh, slots that they will actually work with folks for rent and utility assistance. Um, so it's, it's a very um, uh, fine balance of how do we continue to uh, support people in transition while we are um, equipping them for long-term success. So we rely on partners uh, for that work as well. So more personal autobiography here. How did you get into this work? Because I know you don't you didn't come from the nonprofit world before this, right? Before you started work at CityLink or, or do I have that wrong? No, no. Um, so born and raised in Michigan. So after school went into the automotive industry um, and always had this tension of um, where I felt like God was calling me and where um, there were kind of opportunities to grow and learn. And so I was really fortunate that um, got to work for a couple of Fortune 500 companies that rotated me around um, and let me see different aspects of operations. Um, the last one that actually brought me to Cincinnati was Chiquita Banana. Um, so I joined Chiquita, um, went down south for a couple of years, and then came back here and um, had gone back to school to actually get a degree in economic development and social policy. Um, and I think one of the tensions was um, the, the lack of resources that sometimes exists in NGOs trying to, to move the needle um, and seeing that businesses had the resources but weren't necessarily always aligned. And so I was trying to navigate that space. And so Chiquita was an awesome opportunity to do international development work um, within the context of a business. But God kept tugging kind of on my heart. So when I moved back to Cincinnati, um, I got involved with a volunteer organization here called Give Back Cincinnati, um, which really um, gave me roots in the city because I got to see the neighborhoods, got to meet the people, um, got to see the um, possibility of making large-scale impact um, with uh, and the desire of people to make a difference. So we got to see things like paint the town um, where neighborhoods would get transformed with a thousand volunteers painting homes for individuals, fall feast. Um, where you know now I think it's up to about 5,000 people share a meal over Thanksgiving at Duke Energy Center. So that was a opportunity for me to get to know the city and see the power of volunteerism. Um, and then when Katrina struck, 
Um, I was personally um, uh, very compelled to see what could um, we do to help with that rebuilding effort. Um, and I think a lot of people talk about um, seeing where God's heart breaks um, and seeing where your heart breaks and then running after that. So um, a, a group from Give Back Cincinnati went to Katrina, uh, down to New Orleans, immediately following Katrina. And on the way back, um, I felt like God was saying that I should get our church involved in that work. So uh, the following year, we launched a trip and took a couple hundred people down there um, and got to see that um, Katrina was a um, horrible um, natural disaster, but what it uncovered was uh, huge economic disparities in that community. Um, and so we got to form some beautiful relationships with Franklin Avenue Baptist um, and, and help walk alongside them in the rebuilding of that community. And through that, got to know the church leadership um, who was involved in CityLink Center, uh, made a foolish choice of penning a note to God that said, uh, if you give me the opportunity to permanently work to end um, injustice and poverty, I will follow, and signed and dated it. And uh, six months later, I got the call to say, hey, we're gonna try and launch this thing called CityLink Center. Um, would you be interested in being a part of that? And um, my gut reaction was like, no, because I think I'm supposed to go internationally, right? And then I looked up at that note and realized I hadn't been specific enough with God and that um, <laughs> I, I hadn't said where, had just said what, and that this was a really awesome opportunity to do a large scale approach um, to bring change to our incredible neighbors um, within a city that I love from a faith-based perspective. And so that was the opportunity that um, uh, I, I took a leap of faith at um, 10 years ago, and it's been an incredible journey ever since. Amazing. Well, thank you for answering that call. I know there are many others uh, that have been a part of that uh, as well. So uh, is, is that, is it 10 years? Is that the... Um, the starting point for CityLink officially as an organization or when, when did I, I was at the groundbreaking, but I, I can't remember the, the dates for the building and all that. Yeah. So there's a couple of histories of the organization, which is fascinating and is a really good lesson for all of us. The original conception of CityLink um, vastly predates me. It was 2004, a group of social services and churches came together. 2006, they acquired the property that we're in now. And there was actually a massive backlash against the idea. Um, and it became, became highly politicized and it became um, a, a very difficult and uh, kind of even ugly conversation at times with people concerned about property values, people concerned about individuals loitering. Um, it's a term that's used is kind of the not in my backyard movement. So that resulted in a legal battle for the organization that went from about 2006 to 2009. It went all the way to the Ohio Supreme Court. Um, and um, it was finally ruled that it could take place. But um, after that long a duration, kind of the previous board um, stepped down and asked some new folks to take leadership and financial leadership of the organization and a new board was constituted. So that was early 2010. And so I joined in August. Um, we kind of reviewed and renewed the vision and um, enlisted partners, broke ground in 2011. 
moved in at the end of 2012 and opened for services in 2013. So um, I think it's a huge lesson that we try to um, remind ourselves of, kind of like in the, the Bible, they're constantly having to set up um, reminders for God's faithfulness that it was a massive struggle for this place to open. Um, and that struggle is a struggle that's very real in our community, but it was worth the struggle because now we get to see um, just really incredible life change taking place. Um, but that struggle is a part of our history and story. So John, Mark, um, so that's the beginning. And I know you have seven years of really good, big success. What's the next, you know, what's the any expansion um, plans or just staying the course at the moment? What other yeah. services would you like to see join into CityLink to complement other services? Yeah, great question. So um, we're constantly trying to discern where where is God calling us and how do we evolve as an organization? When we started, we really had a vision of the co-location and kind of um, bringing services in one place and having that as the benefit to the community and the service providers and the clients we serve. Uh, what we've seen is as we've matured, we've recognized that there's opportunities for us to actually go deeper in service integration. So now within um, a career training, people are actually getting resiliency training from our mental health provider and they're getting financial education from our financial provider. So we've actually created a much more seamless experience for clients. So we've gone from kind of co-location to integration and now we're in this space of co-creation where we can see um, opportunities that exist in the community and needs of our clients and work with our partners that we have a high level of trust with to create and launch new programs. So um, last year we launched a new program with Perscalis for um, cable tech network infrastructure, people who pull the cables to wire buildings. Um, it was a huge market need. Uh, we've got a great partner with Perscalis. We pulled in some volunteers um, who helped formulate and launch that. Um, we saw that to launch construction successfully, we needed to um, have a uh, transportation, private transportation solution. So our partners at Changing Gears um, stepped forward to create a vehicle bridge program where if somebody uh, completes a short-term training, has a job offer for 15 or more an hour, they will have a car ready for them the next day for essentially a nine-month lease. So we're in this really beautiful space with the partnership where we can see and articulate and create new solutions pretty quickly. Um, so we're spinning up new programs, launching new programs. Um, those have primarily been focused on where are there living wage jobs that are accessible to our clients. So that's why we went from IT to culinary to construction. Um, we're taking a look at some other um, sectors where we could launch potentially an automotive tech training, um, you know, some of those other fields where we can bring the strengths of our partners to bear, um, you know, CPS adult ed brings in the math and reading components for all of these different classes. So we really leverage the strengths of our partners. We know that post COVID there's going to be need for immediacy of employment. So we're exploring some new partnerships there. Um, we're taking a look at, you know, this phenomenon of the gig economy is not going away. How do we equip people well there? Um, so we're, we're constantly kind of trying to go through this 
planning process of what's happening in the environment, what are the needs in the industry, what are the, what's a, what are the accessible opportunities for our clients, and how do we marry those together. So that's kind of one stream of our programmatic growth. Simultaneously, we've had um, other cities um, approach us about what it would look like to do CityLink Center in their communities. So um, we're supporting one city currently in replicating our model. Um, the benefit of that is um, we believe that, you know, God's entrusted us with kind of this approach and this methodology that can benefit more cities. Um, and also selfishly for Cincinnati, um, it would give us a comparable data set to see if their community is doing incredibly on job retention, what can we learn from them? If their community is doing incredible at debt reduction, what can we learn from them? So by having common metrics, you can really scale best practices. Um, and so we're just kind of walking through that and seeing where God's calling us. And then also are interested in seeing um, with the advent of remote service delivery, what are ways that we can reach people who are further out from the physical presence of the center within our community through partnerships? Um, you know, there's other churches who are doing incredible things on the outskirts of the city. What are ways that we can more intentionally partner with them? Um, and so that's something that we're exploring as well. It's really exciting. I mean, one of the things that I've appreciated um, just having had the opportunity to sit in on some of the spiritual advisory council um, briefings that you give us, um, you know, quarterly is um, the, perhaps the, I, I don't know how unique it is. It feels unique to me. Um, what you've described as that faith-based client-centered data-driven and believing that all those things can coexist uh, together. It feels a little unique, um, but I love that this is becoming a demonstrable uh, model and that uh, one, other, other people are looking to CityLink Center in, in Cincinnati for best practices, but also I've always appreciated how you all have looked in other places. I mean, I know that um, the, the, the uh, culinary training program, you know, it didn't, you didn't just shoot from the hip on that, but we were, you were looking in Cleveland, you were looking at New Orleans and seeing models of these other, uh, where, where things were working and having, you know, um, demonstrable results uh, and getting people placed in um, well-paying jobs. Um, that's always been exciting to me is to, to see the thoughtful approach and the data-driven approach that um, CityLink has taken. So um, yeah, it's impressive. Uh, on the faith-based side of things, um, so it's your volunteers, uh, they come from all over and of course you'll take everyone and certainly from clients, you're, you're, you're taking folks who are willing to, to walk in the door that meet those basic criteria you've described. But when you, um, when you think of the organization itself being faith-based, but then also particularly what's offered for a client that's, that's, you know, specifically in that realm, what does that look like, John Mark? Like what, what is the spiritual side of uh, that, that a client might, might encounter, you know, at CityLink? Yeah. Um, so we are firm believers that um, our clients should have a demonstrable different experience when they walk through our doors um, as our mission is to show God's love to those in need. Um, and so it starts with just kind of how can we be a demonstration of our faith? Um, we know that uh, about 60% of our clients self-declare as Christian, um, but only half of those have a church home. So what we try to create is a, uh, a safe place that one, meets their immediate and tangible needs to, 
to reach their goals um, and improve their life with um, you know the different trainings that we have. Two, um, we want to be really clear and intentional about who we are and why we do what we do. Um, and so we are very clear about that in the client intro session that um, this is an expression of kind of the church mobilizing and um, we talk about our own goals and how we're all works in process and that we all need and believe in grace on the journey and that will be a part of their experience with us. We um, do a couple of different things. So for folks who um, are, believe in God, have a relationship with God, but are separated from a church, we will offer Bible studies, prayer groups, one-on-one -on -one spiritual counseling. And one of those goals is uh, Pastor Strayhorn, who's on our staff, is connecting people to their local church. Uh, so I know we've got a couple of folks who have joined uh, New City, and um, we believe that folks need a, a long-term home um, in terms of their faith. And, and so we're excited to connect people to those homes. For folks who don't um, know or don't have a relationship or may um, be separated from God, uh, we do a couple of things, little things, that we consider kind of like our trial strategy. So we have a lunch series called The Road I've Traveled. Um, and what we do is we bring in somebody who um, they would be excited about seeing um, and then uh, somebody who's been through a program. And they just share their journey um, and how faith has played a role in their journey and um, what they've learned along the way. And so, you know, when you've got Anthony Munoz up sharing about how he was raised by a single mother and um, how God got a hold of his life and what the impact was, people sit up and listen. And then they get to hear from, you know, Rico and Rebecca or Tevin or somebody else who, uh, who gets to share like, hey, this is where I was and this is the struggle that I had. And what we've heard really interestingly from our clients is that hearing those stories of perseverance from someone who was literally in their shoes a month or three months prior makes a huge difference and opens them up to the possibility of not only what their life can look like, but what faith as a part of their life can look like. So then we follow that up with invitations for people to join uh, studies or prayer groups or different things like that. So it's we try to meet folks where they are, um, be invitational, um, help people grow and develop their faith, and then connect them to a church home is kind of the trajectory that we walk through. And really important for us um, is that I firmly believe that there is no correlation between uh, material wealth and, um, and faith. Um, that when uh, people walk through our doors, uh, my assumption is that many of them have a deeper faith and relationship with God than I do. Um, that trials and tribulations can um, be the fiery furnace that refines people's faith. And so we're excited to learn about faith from people uh, that walk through our doors as clients, as volunteers, as partners, as staff, um, and really look at it as kind of that concept of shalom of how do we see our community truly thrive when we can all learn and grow from one another? Yeah, that concept of reciprocity is one, it's true, but two, um, it, 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 it enables the opportunity for, um, you know, for, for all of us to benefit from, um, from, our, from relationships with each other, which is, uh, which is, which is great. Um, just for the benefit of our, 
our new city folks who are listening to this, um, you know, our overlap or our connections to CityLink, you know, happen in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, one, we've had several uh, of our members who've been staff members at CityLink and uh, different ways, uh, you know, over the years. And I'm thinking of Maggie Kingsley, who's a um, social worker there, as well as uh, Salem Bear, who's there uh, now. And um, but then we also have clients, as you mentioned, John Mark of CityLink, who've, who've been referred by CityLink to us and become members of our church. Um, we have uh, folks at New City who go and volunteer in different fashions uh, at CityLink. Um, I've had the chance to, to be part of that spiritual advisory council. Uh, and then um, from our, our deacons, as they're working directly with folks, um, CityLink becomes one of the the, the primary places that we have, we do referrals. So um, we've re- received referrals from CityLink to us uh, for it to be a church home. And we've certainly referred um, folks to CityLink uh, over the years. Then we try to chase those referrals in, in terms of our ministry philosophy with uh, both volunteers and then also with with dollars, with with giving. Uh, as we have organizations that are doing things we cannot as a church, uh, we want to support that financially uh, as well. And so I just, one closing question, and maybe Ryan will jump in with another one, but for me, one closing question, uh, and then we got to let you go here, John Mark, but um, if somebody wants to get involved, and I know this looks a little different on the other side of COVID as you guys are figuring out your own reopening plans, but typically if somebody wants to uh, find out about volunteer opportunities and think about how they might utilize some of the unique skill sets that God has given them, how can somebody get involved at CityLink? Yeah, great question. Um, so first, it, we are deeply appreciative of um, the church and all the ways that you guys are engaged. We fully believe that um, when we come together, um, as you've said, all organizations have different skills, capacities, abilities, and so it's wonderful having the relationship with you all. For folks to engage as volunteers, you can just go to our website, citylinkcenter.org backslash volunteer, and there's actually a volunteer um, kind of orientation online, which just walks people through. We want to make sure that we're being good stewards of everyone's time to talk about what the types of roles are, um, what the types of, uh, a little background on what CityLink Center is, um, and opportunities and expectations. Right now, we've got all volunteering on hold through um, uh, at least up to July as we're figuring out the restart and making sure that our processes and procedures are are in good shape. But um, volunteers do, um, they're our secret sauce. So um, they are the tangible expression of God's love in our work. And they help with everything from mock interviews, resume reviews, uh, clothing people and clothing connection with a professional attire, uh, teaching classes, teaching financial workshops. Um, so there's just a wide variety of ways that people can use their gifts and just the ability to speak confidence um, into our clients and encourage them uh, and equip them. Um, and so the list of those opportunities are on the, on the site. And um, volunteering, we try to make as um, flexible as possible for individuals so they can, once they go through a training, there's an on-site training, and then you're on a team and you just select shifts based off of what your schedule looks like. So we've got some people who are literally here four days a week, and we've got some people who are here once a month. Um, and so it's really built to be that flexible uh, engagement point. Um, and we attempt to also um, build into the volunteers through development opportunities. So that might be a visit to um, you know, a housing 
um, unit in order to see what does Section 8 housing look like, what are the complexities and challenges there, um, to do a study on when helping hurts or the spiritual danger of doing good within the context of the work that we do. So um, being a part of the volunteer community is hopefully not only a way for folks to engage and fulfill our call, but a way to also grow and learn um, along the way with others. Ryan, do you have any last thoughts here? No, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, John Mark, we really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time out today. We know you're um, extremely busy with your all's plans and reopening, and we know that uh, you're beginning to see clients again in the building for the first time here in uh, these couple weeks. And so um, thank you for taking time out today. Uh, Many blessings uh, to you and to CityLink. We're so thankful for your work in the city. Thank you all. Uh, We appreciate your partnership. We can't do this work as kind of a standalone entity or organization. So we're deeply grateful for all the ways that you support us. All right, thanks. All right, thank you.